naturally I became I got into a really frustrated state where it was like why am I here I don't need to be here and you know all these things of denial and just anger and you know I guess primarily at yourself and then you know everyone else around you just felt feels that sort of wrath because you're like why did I do this to get myself here Hey, welcome back to Normalize the Conversation. Today, I'm here with Antonio, mental health campaigner and speaker. Antonio, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you really? I'm, I'm good, you know, just busy as, as one is when you're a campaigner and speaker. Um, but yeah, over, over, other than that, I'm really well. And thank you for having me here. Of course, being busy is always good, especially when you're fighting for such an important cause. And I'm just so excited to have you here with me. And I really want to know what inspired you to start advocating and fighting for mental health? I think it's mainly due to the people around me, actually, the people who first got to hear my story and, you know, said to me that there's something really powerful about my story. I remember when I first signed up to be a volunteer, it, was, it only came as actually something that I was told to do by my lecturers as you know they would say your degree is not enough you, sh- you need to get more experience outside of your degree so that you can find a job because you know com- it's competitive and so I just thought one day you know what let me just sign up to a mental health charity as a volunteer and from doing that I told my story and you know the people who heard my story they were like you've got a really powerful story and you should really follow through with this and then from there, things just started building up. You know, I signed up to another nine charities, became a media volunteer, and it just kept going. That is absolutely amazing. And when you open up about your story, to have all that support and people encouraging you is just incredible. And you keep talking about this story. So would you mind sharing your mental health story with us? Yeah, sure. So um, I was di- I'm diagnosed with schizophrenia. Um, and... My, my mental health journey started when I was about 14, 15, I'd say. So I was in, in high school going through my exams and I was really stressed out at the time, you know, because I had a lot of expectations, I guess, from family, peers, teachers, having been a, a, a very high achieving black boy in, in, in that year. And I guess I amplified that pressure because, you know, I'd think, black or white if I don't live up to those expectations it's all over or you know I have to live so there was no middle bit there was no gray area and from there I started to get really stressed you know I was suffering from pseudo seizures because of the stress I was becoming really paranoid I was hearing voices which at the time I was very ignorant to and didn't understand that there were voices till we got to one point where after my exams I thankfully getting all my GCSEs I still felt like there was this boulder on my back you know I was like I was carrying this weight that day by day was bringing me lower and lower like it wasn't like I was this macho man that everyone thinks every man should be I was actually breaking down slowly and slowly and then at one point I I think I just owned like it was like I got too close to the ground and I said to myself I can't take no more and I felt like the only way I could get rid of this boulder was to to attempt to take my life and that day where I attempted to take my life is, I guess, where everything changed. Um, you know, I was I was put in section in hospital for two years. Um, and yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff happened in those two years, um, both good and bad. You know, I'm, I learned a lot and I also lost a lot. But overall coming out, that's where, you know, 
I said to myself, look, not everyone, and from what I've seen myself, not everyone makes it out the way I've made it out, you know, coming out stronger or, you know, passionate about things need, needing to change. Sometimes you come out of that place physically, but you don't come out of it mentally. And yeah, I mean, from, from then on, knowing that I had overcome such a struggle and, you know, that I was going back to education and following through with things that I once had a passion for, I said to myself, don't be selfish with your recovery. And by that, I mean, those who precede us need the opportunity to hear you so they know that they can also find hope or motivation in you. And yeah, I mean, from there, I just, you know, decided that I would tell my story with no shame and no blame because if it helps someone, what does it matter if someone else is judging me? That is so beautiful. Antonio, it is so hard when you feel so low and so alone. And in those moments to realize that I don't want to be selfish with my recovery. I want to open up about it and share it and help someone else who is struggling. That is one of the strongest things anyone can do. I hope you realize how much strength comes within that. Thank you. Thank you. So now you're talking about living with schizophrenia, which is something that we don't talk about enough, especially in the mental health community, we tend to focus on depression and anxiety. So when it comes to schizophrenia, there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of lack of information and a lack of resources. So you mentioned a few symptoms that you were experiencing, such as seizures and hearing voices. What are some other common symptoms that you experience and how did you recognize them? Because like you said, when you were hearing voices, it took a while for you to realize that you were hearing voices. Right, yes. I mean, the, I think, again, the fortunate thing about me is being quite insightful. I am quite that person that wants to learn more and, you know, just keen to learn. When I would be asked, you know, do you believe you have a mental illness I'd be like of course not I'm like what is what even is a mental illness I'm just a normal young but person you know like, this is my personality but then like you start to put reason and logic together you know when I'm thinking people are watching me and talking about me well I'm asking are they even looking at me do they even know me what could they be talking about me what could they be saying you know and these are the ways I would challenge the voices that I was hearing but sometimes challenging those voices it came with a consequence because those voices would then tell you, would then have a go at you and they'd pick on your insecurities because, you know, being a young black boy, I'm, you know, there were a lot of things that I was quite insecure about that I felt like, you know, if people ever knew I'd be seen as a weak person and vulnerable and people would take advantage of. And those exact words were, the, were what the voices would play on. You're going to be seen as a weak, vulnerable person that people take advantage of. But then again, you know, when you're struggling, with your, your battling your mind every day, don't forget that you also have a heart because I think my heart is what really powered me through a lot of those moments. You know, when you're, when you're hearing, you know, your voice telling you, you need to sort that person out, your heart tells you that's not right, right? So you have to make the two work. And, you know, when I'd be isolating myself so some of the other symptoms as well, you know, I'd be low in mood, I'd be isolating myself, not communicating with anyone it's very easy for your thoughts to bounce off those four walls that you're around. But again, your heart will really power that because, you know, you start when, what I always noticed was when I'm struggling, I'm more so struggling about 
how other people will feel about my struggle. And that's where I think my heart came into play. And I thought, you know what, if, if I can worry about what other people will feel like about my struggle, that clearly means they care about me. And there are people that love me and want to see me be better. And this is where I would say logic and reason really had to come into it. And also just the plain fact of wanting to learn about my diagnosis and mental health in general. And that's, I guess, where I let my, got my passion to study psychology and neuroscience. All those together, I think, sometimes it's about flipping the switch and just changing your perspective on things. A lot of your, a lot of your struggles are based on your perspective of it. Exactly. Changing your perspective. And like you said, all these thoughts and voices telling you that you're going to be seen as weak and vulnerable, a lot of that comes from the stigma on mental health because people who are struggling are perceived to be weak, vulnerable as weakness. And a lot of times they call us dangerous, dangerous to ourselves, dangerous to others. Um, And it's just heartbreaking. And that stigma really makes us not want to open up and not want to reach out. And what you said about your heart and your heart keeping you going and your heart helping you realize that people do care about you is one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard because it's so easy to feel lonely. It's so easy to feel like no one understands and no one cares. And to keep that in your heart the whole time is just absolutely incredible. So you mentioned previously that you started um, experiencing these symptoms around the age of 14 in high school. How long did it take for you from experiencing those symptoms to getting an actual diagnosis of schizophrenia? I think it took actually being in in hospital because at 14, 15, it wasn't clear what was going on. So my mental health service, they would do lots of assessments, surveys, questionnaires, you know, rifling through ADHD, bipolar and all these diagnoses, I think only until, you know, I actually recognised that I was hearing voices because the one thing that's really hard is that, as everyone knows, to, to diagnose a mental illness, you can't, you know, just do an X-ray or MRI or anything like that. You, Your output has to match your input. So however much you're sharing is however much, you know, your psychiatrist can be, can, can look at. So when, you know, when they'd ask me do you, about voices, I'd be like, no, I don't hear no voices. I just have these thoughts. So, you know, they're not going to think down that path of schizophrenia. But again, that whole output matching your input, I think that's what sometimes makes it, made, well, made it longer to diagnose in my case. And also just not being in tune with my care as well. You know, I'd always leave everything down to my psychiatrist or whoever was looking after um, my my mental health because it was just something I was ignorant to something that I didn't want the label of something that I was ashamed of so yeah and, and I actually you know the other day I, I look back at all my mental health records and that's when I saw them found out the most information about my care you know it wasn't just a straightforward diagnosis I had stuff like transient psychosis um poly polymorphic all these you know um, clauses that I wasn't ever aware of but once I became more in tune and wanting to accept and you know understand on itself that's when I started to find out about all the diagnosis I went through coming down to officially undifferentiated schizophrenia and emotional unstable personality disorder. Wow so it sounds like your experience with getting the right diagnosis and 
I'm assuming because you did say ADHD and bipolar disorder, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that you must have been put on different types of medications throughout the time as well. Yeah, that is so hard. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. You can. No, no worries. Yeah, no, that that's correct. Yeah, the medication is probably one of the toughest parts of it. Oh, you know, I'm. I remember in in, in the mental health hospital, I take morning pills, afternoon pills, and evening pills. And yeah, you're right. I mean, I did change between so many um, medications, sometimes because of side effects, but also, yeah, because sometimes it was the wrong one or, you know, and that's the thing about mental health. I think because of the lack of knowledge within it, or maybe it's the lack of knowledge or maybe the lack of how much we share, that it becomes a thing that's more experimental until you, you find the right solution. Exactly. It is very experimental. And like you said before, there is no like scan that's going to tell you what's wrong. When you fall and you hurt your breast, you can go get an x-ray and MRI and they can see what's wrong and they know how to fix it. It's very clear and straightforward. But when it comes to your mental health, there's not a scan that is telling them what's going on. So without looking at the brain, it's a guessing game. And schizophrenia is one of the most common mental illnesses to be misdiagnosed and to go from different types of medications and different types of disorders from ADHD to bipolar disorder. That is really difficult because the wrong medications, like you said, side effects can cause adverse side effects that are very dangerous and that are not fair to us because with the right diagnosis, you're earlier your quality of life improves and it took you so long to get the right treatment and right help that you needed right yeah and that yeah and you know that's I think one thing that people have always got to understand is you know sometimes I'd have friends that would just be like if you want to get better you will get better and you know it's to some degree you are you know they are correct like it, it you do have to have that mentality that you know you're going to find your way through it all but it's not as easy and straightforward as as you mentioned like you know with a, with a physical um illness or such but I mean the one thing that I always say to people is that patience that you're having will only build you to be something greater in the future exactly and like you said it's not black and white it's not that simple and straightforward that if you want to feel better, you will get better because no matter how much effort you put into therapy, into taking your medication and trying these coping mechanisms, when it's the wrong medication, the wrong diagnosis, the wrong treatment plan, no matter how much of yourself you put into it, you're, it's still working against you. The system, the lack of understanding and awareness and ability to advocate for yourself is a huge part, which I'm going to touch on in a minute. But when the whole system is working against you, no matter how badly you want to move forward, it's really, really difficult. It's not just, I want to get better and I'm going to feel better. But one really, really interesting point that you brought up was about how you share and express yourself to the psychologist, to the psychiatrist, to the people who are trying to help you. And I think one of the most common issues is we don't know how to advocate for ourselves because when we're younger and we start to tell people how we're feeling, a lot of times they invalidate us or they gaslight us. I mean, how often did you hear build a bridge and get over it? 
or big girls don't cry or boys don't cry. You're acting like a girl. There's all these different things and phrases that are so invalidating. So then why would you open up? And how do you know what to share and what people are telling you is all in your head? Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, again, comes into, you know, flipping the switch and, you know, your perspective and your interpretation of things, because you're right there, you know, there were a lot of moments where that would happen or, you know, maybe I'd take things away, which I didn't have to, you know, and I think at the end of the day, some things I've learned, you know, a, a, a prime example, when we're talking about being judged, being judged isn't wrong, right? If you think of it like this in, only. So judging a book by its cover was a survival skill that we learned from from a long time ago because you know some communication wasn't as developed so we had to judge a book by its cover to learn if there was a threat or a risk um coming to us it's almost as if you go to the library and you look at a book and you look at the cover and you say oh I don't think I'm gonna like this what where then the problem becomes is when you stop yourself from opening that first page to really find out if you like it or not you know neglecting that whole opportunity from the cover that you've that you've judged because as I said we're gonna judge you know that's that's something that's inevitable and we've got we've I think we shouldn't run from that or try um, shy away from that people are going to judge it's more about you know how do we change someone's judgment that's what we're that's what I think is the main thing you know when we're talking about negative feelings and emotions the aim isn't to get rid of negative feelings or emotions. Those have to be there. Sometimes they become useful, you know, to, to, to recognize when something's not right or something's going wrong. But what we have to do is manage those negative feelings and emotions, how we react to them. The same way, how do we manage our judgment? How do we react to people's judgments? You know, how do we get people to look at this cover? Okay, here's a young black boy. I, you know, I don't want to give him an opportunity because he's a young black boy, but as soon as you hear me out you're like oh my god I didn't know and this and that and so on do you know what I mean it's so it's it's not you know it's not always let's get rid of a system because the system doesn't work sometimes it's let's tweak a few things in the system or let's change how you know the procedure works or the protocol goes on I think that is the biggest thing for people and I think that's where again as I, as I was mentioning it's how you interpret some things you know it's so when things happen, they shouldn't always be taken on board in such a negative way. You know, when my friends left me um, behind in the hostel, not all of them left me behind purposely. A lot of them left me behind to, to show me, look, where you're struggling, if you don't, you know, work on getting better, not just get better, but work on getting better. Don't forget that we also have our own lives to continue with and our lives can't be paused just for your life to carry on. So these are the things where you have to switch how you interpret them and how you look at them and use them for motivation, use them to better yourself and use them to inspire. Exactly. Perspective is key and learning how to change your perspective. Like you said, the system might not to be, need to be demolished and rebuilt, but tweaks and understanding that sometimes people step away, not because they don't love us or don't care about us, but because they have lives too, and they have things going on and they can't be everything for you. And that's a really hard lesson to learn, but a really important perspective shift and shifting our mindsets can be huge and crucial to coping with our mental illness 
and being able to overcome the struggle that is impairing our lives. So can you tell me a little bit more about your current mental health treatment? Now that you have the proper diagnosis and the proper support, what does treatment look like for you? At the moment, so I, I think, well, I, at that time when I've actually, when I actually received my actual diagnosis, I, it was, it was, so it's first, it's, it's better to understand that this is actually what's going on with you. So you you kind of start to move away from the frustration of, you don't know what's going on, I don't know what's going on, nothing will ever get better. Now you actually understand that this is what, is, what it is. It's almost like, you know, especially with some, having started at 15 to now 23, I've learned so so much. So it's like, I now, I now know what's good for me. I know, I know what doesn't work for me, you know? So I won't be put into like group therapies because I know I don't, everyone will know I don't have a great um, response to group therapies. One-to-one therapies, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, having a, a, a key worker, someone that, I can go to directly rather than having to find different people and chase up different people all these things and you know just the resources as though I think a lot of my ability to change my mindset comes from the resources that I've built and gained and the support bubble that I've had around me so in a nutshell for me it's more just you know I can recognize when 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 a trigger is coming I can recognize you know how bad I'm feeling. So, you know, sometimes you will be, you'll, you'll get asked on a scale of one to 10, how bad are you feeling? And you'll just give a random number closest to five because it feels like the most even to you or, you know, closest to whatever it, that you might feel, but it might not be as like, I could pretty much pinpoint, okay, I'm feeling a seven. Why am I feeling a seven? Why am I three away from a 10? Or, you know, why am I feeling like two? Why am I one away from one? It's really being in tune, as I said, with, your mental illness and you know understanding everything around your diagnosis I go through my care plan sometimes I go through like I said the resources that I've gained you know looking at catastrophic thinking um and all these things just you know all of it I think for me worked because of the knowledge I gained about it and I think again we can't take away from knowledge is power because when you know better that's when you can do better when you don't you become like confused and not knowing where to go and yeah I think and I just it, it just like you know to me I, every time like any decision I make right or wrong I always think okay so what did I miss out in taking this decision if I take a right turn all I've missed out is on the left turn you know I can still come back around or if I, I can just carry on and see where that road takes me as long as I know whatever you know, speed bump hits me or red light or whatever, I can still carry on after. That's the main thing. That is the most amazing metaphor I have heard for mental health recovery, because it's so true. Sometimes you make a left turn and you should have made a right, but that doesn't mean you can't get back there. It might take a little longer. You might feel lost and confused for a bit, but you'll get there and you can get there. And that is so important. And it's recognizing that it's not impossible. And sometimes when we try something and it doesn't work and we expect it's going to work and we think we're going in the right direction and we're not, we start to feel so defeated and so hopeless and like, we're never going to get better, but you can get better. You will get better because everyone's different and it takes us our, all our own journeys. 
And just because one treatment option worked for you doesn't mean it's going to work for me. And just because it worked for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And that's so important as part of your recovery is to know that you can't follow someone else. If you're following someone else down the road, you're only going on their journey, not on your own. So now you talked about being in the psychiatric system in the psych ward for two years. What was it like and what did you wish you would have known before going in? Oh, you know what? It, okay, so there were stages to it. You know, when you first get into, into the psych ward, you, you think, okay, you know what? Time will pass. Let me just stay in my room. And, you know, at one point, someone will come in and be like, okay, you're ready to go. But then you realize the psych ward doesn't work like a jail or a prison. You don't have an official release date. That release date only comes with progress and someone's opinion that you are ready to come out into reality. So, you know, after I realized that staying in my room and, you know, not engaging wasn't going to work, naturally I became, I got into a really frustrated state where it was like, why am I here? I don't need to be here. And, you know, all these things of denial and just anger, and you know, I guess primarily at yourself and then, you know, everyone else around you just felt feels that sort of wrath because you're like, why did I do this to get myself here? And then you realize that, you know, that as well wasn't going to help you any further because it's not showing or any indications or signs of recovery or improving till then eventually you know what you you've been there so long that you look you know the ins and outs you know how things work you know the timings that you know everything about the, the the routine and then you just learn to engage you learn that you know I actually do want to get better and I'm actually going to get only going to get out of it when I do decide to get better and that's why I'm here longer because I haven't decided I haven't come to terms that I want to get back I've just stuck in this denial ignorance mindset or you know hopeless hopeless mindset that you know it is what it is but it's not always what it is sometimes you can make it what it is and that's where I just really came around to you know I cooperate with with medication I cooperate with therapies I cooperate with you know not just for cooperating but because if this is what's going to get me better, then I will get a release date. And eventually I did. And, you know, I think something that I wish I had known, I guess, was that last mindset that I developed, you know, knowing that, you know what, this is the way, like, you're only here, you're actually only here, you know, as where whatever way <clears throat> I might get mistreated in some, in some occasions or, however way I might take in someone's you know words of you will never leave until I decide you're leaving that's not what I should be focusing on you know you it's very easy to to focus on some on something negative and forget what the positive that's going around or you know very easy to to focus on the lack of something rather than the abundance of something so I wish I had that I wish I knew about that last mindset I developed from the beginning because maybe that would have made my time shorter but then I also think to myself sometimes I don't want to put myself in that mindset of I wish this had happened this way I wish this had happened that way because I think everything happened specifically for a reason for me to be where I am today with the resilience and the work that I am doing and you know those two years maybe those two years is what is what I needed to learn as much as I I, I know now exactly and 
Wow. Just wow. I love your perspective on everything because a lot of times when you're talking about mental health and your recovery and being in the psych ward, we see all the bad things. We point out everything that went wrong and we don't point out the mindset shift. And when you decide to start engaging, maybe the group therapy sessions inside the psych ward didn't work for you, but you wouldn't know that if you didn't try. You wouldn't know what coping skills, what resources, what treatment options work for you unless you try, unless you put in the effort. So just because it didn't work doesn't have to be a negative thing. It can be positive because you learned something and got one step further along your recovery. Thank you so much for that beautiful share. No worries. And yeah, I think, you know, as I was mentioning before, I think that time, I, I use it effectively now in a sense that you know I recognize that I will have bad days you know not every day is perfect and you've got to come to terms with that not every day is perfect not not every day you know we're going to be smiling but that's okay and where it's better is knowing that that that's okay means that you will come back from it because you know I might have a bad morning but there's 24 hours in a day so level it out the rest of the day is still mine for the making and you know that experience that I had is now my threshold because with any bad hour that I have a bad day, I know I'm not as bad enough that I need to go back there, which means I can get better. Exactly. And now I want to talk a little bit more about schizophrenia because like we said in the beginning, there is a lot of lack of information out there. And when we see the media portraying someone with schizophrenia, they tend to be this violent character. They're usually the villain. So there's a lot of misconceptions out there. What are some of the biggest misconceptions that you've seen and how have they impacted you? I think the biggest one is what you've said, you know, just that you have, if you're schizophrenic, you're a threat, you're violent, you're dangerous, quite erratic. And, you know, all these things that come from, from the media and how the media portrayed it. Um, but as I said, as, <clears throat> so as someone with schizophrenia, a moment ago I was talking to you about how my heart got me through most of the moment. So it's, you know, it's hard enough knowing that I'm challenging myself, but then having to challenge other people's perspective of me as well just creates a big workload, you know, and sometimes that's what gives in, adds on to wanting to give up because it's like, I'm already doing so much by my own, my own challenges. And now you're adding on to it because you lack knowledge of what it actually means. I, yeah, I mean, there's there's so minimal research that people with schizophrenia are actually violent and dangerous, you know, and a threat. It's a lot of the times we are struggling trying to challenge those voices telling us to do something because we know we don't want to hurt no one else, that we end up hurting ourselves. So, you know, someone else is, I guess it's a, diff- it's a difficult way to put it, but where our voices have wanted us to hurt someone else, we've ended up taking that on ourselves because we don't want to hurt no one else so you know what we'll hurt ourselves instead because why should someone else suffer with what I'm suffering if that makes sense so I think that's the biggest misconception that really got to me and I think that's also what's really humbled me down a lot and you know I've always understood that there's always two sides to a story not just my side but also if you want to step into someone's shoes don't forget to come out of your own shoes first. Yes, 
That is very, very true. And this stigma, like you said, has created this lack of awareness, therefore a lack of education. So when we see the media portray someone a certain way, then we just group everyone together. And we assume that everyone living with schizophrenia, everyone living with a mental illness in general is dangerous, is a threat, and we need to avoid them. And if we find someone or meet someone who is living with a mental illness, we need to stay away from them because it could be dangerous to us. It could bring us down. And that's not true. But the stigma, the lack of education, the lack of awareness is leading to this, which is making it so much lonelier. It's making it so much more difficult to get that support that you need. And emotional support is a huge part of recovery. Yeah, definitely. Emotional support and emotional intelligence. You know, I've definitely learned that you know, in, in situations where you want to react emotionally, take a step back because acting on emotions has never been the best solution. You know, sometimes like, you know, simple things like, you know, if a friend doesn't message you back, you start to get emotional and you might react emotionally, but don't forget that they also have a life to live. So, you know, when they haven't messaged you back, maybe they've, because, you know, I'm <clears throat> us two sitting here right now, I've probably received like six missed calls and you know my friends are probably going to think I'm ignoring them but you forget that you know we have a life to live and activities that are going on in our lives but if you got constantly act emotionally you will never come to understand that so it's about having that emotional intelligence as well exactly that is so true and recognizing that just because you like waved at somebody and they didn't wave back at you they might not have seen you Just because someone didn't answer your text right away doesn't mean they're ignoring you. They might have something else going on. And recognizing when somebody is genuinely not supporting you, who is invalidating you, who is gaslighting you, who is labeling you, those are people who don't want to support you. But just because it takes someone a little bit of time to get back to you, that doesn't mean they're not there for you and they're not supporting you and recognizing the different types of support and what they mean is huge when it comes to recovery. Antonio, you have been absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your story. No worries. Thank you for having me. It's really nice conversation.